Welcome to Let's Talk About Faith, where we discuss and continue to explore our faith and understand God's love for us together. I'm your host, Elsa Caballero, and I'm joined by my co-host and better half, Jim Simpson. Join us every week as we get to talk to amazing people as they share their journey towards living their most faithful life. Thank you for joining us. Now let's talk about faith. Hi, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Let's Talk About Faith. Today, we're joined by our very own Jim Simpson, and we're going to talk about following your dreams. So, Jim, we're going to go ahead and get started with um, you telling us about your life and how you followed your dreams and never accepted no for an answer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, talk a little bit about my story. Um, first, I would like to say, obviously, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to, to uh, just talk about myself a little bit um, and talk about my journey and, and just how my life has changed. Um, it all started out as far as talking about the dreams you know, I always had a dream to become an Olympic athlete or, or a professional athlete for that, that matter. Right. Um, and obviously it, it all was about running, you know, I was an okay runner in high school and no, you were a great runner in high school. And, uh, I, uh, well, thank you, but I wasn't the best student. Um, right. And, uh, looking at, if I had it to do go over again, obviously I would apply myself more in the classroom. Right. Uh, whenever I, later on in life, when I had the opportunity to start my coaching career, so to speak, I actually started football when I first got out of the military. Uh, my dream, as far as being a collegiate athlete, didn't happen due to my grades. Right. So I chose to go in the military, uh, which was a great, great experience for me. Uh, I think the military helped me become, I had to grow up really fast. Um, I, uh, when I got out of the military, I started coaching high school cross country only because my son asked me to coach the team because he knew I had run at one time. So my my running career wasn't a topic in the household um, as he was growing up. He just knew highlights of it from clippings or whatever. Um, so I had the opportunity to coach and didn't have a clue about coaching. I mean, I just knew from my experience as a runner growing up in high school, I just knew what my coaches did. So I kind of did the same thing. Right. Uh, I, a shout out to Coach Harder. Yeah, right? Coach Harder. And, Coach uh, Thomas. Coach Thomas, which... I still am lifetime friends with today. I mean, obviously they impacted my life uh, and I hold them to my heart very dearly. Right. Uh, and, the, and as well as the same thing with my, my high school athletes that I coached. Uh, I experienced a lot with coaching high school. I, I thought it was great. Um, we became very successful really quick within a, with a, a quick amount of time, turnaround time. And it was just the kids believing in you. I don't know if I knew what I was doing. Right. But I was believable, you know, and my story of my running career helped them 
believe and, and trust uh, in that. What worked for you? Right. It worked for me, so right. they figured oh, it, it can work for us. Right. Um, at times, it worked against me uh, because I expected everybody to be, I guess, so to, so to speak, as good as I was. Right. And the workouts that I prescribed for them, they couldn't handle, but I could handle them and I didn't understand. So I grew. I, I kind of learned on the job that OJT uh, acronym that everybody uses. Uh, I really missed the high school. I mean, the the high school environment was a very humbling experience for me just because I, lo- I had to learn each individual athlete needed something different. Right. Everybody wasn't the same. It wasn't a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a team concept, but it wasn't a team concept because right. what worked for one didn't work for the other. And everybody had to be catered to, to their own specific needs, their weaknesses and, right. you know, finding out their strengths. So it was a learning curve for me. Um, so I grew a lot during the high school, my high school coaching years. Uh, not too long after that, I think maybe four years, four years, five years into my high school coaching career, I was afforded the opportunity to become the head cross-country and triathlon coach at Weber International. But now, before you became that, didn't you bring the kids to a running camp there first? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. Uh, we, I, used to, I, I never experienced the opportunity to go to running camp when I was growing up. I didn't know what that was all about. Um, when my son first started running at at Northport high school, which was the high school that I coached at, he, uh, he, because he asked you to coach, he asked me, yeah, he asked me to coach the team for one, which was crazy. And he wanted to go to running camp, which I thought was really, really cool. So that's awesome. I drove him to Weber, not knowing where it was at or anything to drop him off at running camp. And they asked me to if I wanted to stay and help. Of course, I become, this was, I want to say maybe I was 40 at the time, 41. You would think I was 16, you know, right along with my son. I was jumping up and down like a kid in the candy store. Right. I was like, oh, I get to go to running camp. And I could probably see it on his face. It was like, oh, you got to be with me again? Right. Like, yeah. get, go home, Dad. Like, I want to be here by myself, you know, right. so... That was my first introduction to Weber. Um, and later on down the road, you know, after his high school career, uh, Coach Hornby, who was the head coach at that time uh, at Weber when my son was graduating, uh, recruited TJ and asked him if he wanted to come to run to Weber. And he, he accepted at the time and then later chose that that wasn't his passion. He didn't want to run anymore. And that was hard for me to, you know, because I had hoped that he would kind of take over where I left off and I didn't get to do. He had the grades. I didn't have the grades, you know, so I was hoping that he would go to college, but that was his choice. You know, I think maybe at first I probably held it against him a little bit, you know, and I was sad that he didn't go to college because he was being afforded an opportunity that somebody was going to pay for his degree, you know, and I didn't go to college. Right. Uh, so later on down the road, I, I mean, after that, um, I was I was notified by the uh, athletic director that was at Weber, 
and they reached out to me and the job was open and offered me a job to come to Weber and be the head cross country and triathlon coach. Once again, I became a kid, you know, I was like, there's no way they're going to give me the job. I don't have a degree. I'm not right. college educated. I barely got through high school. You know, the only reason I got through high school is because my running career, you know what I mean? I was, I was a talented athlete and they helped me, you know, did some extra things so I could go to school. You know, I think right. I ended up graduating from high school by going to night school. Right. You know, right. so... I was I was truly blessed to have the opportunity. Um, it was a way for me to just continue to be a competitor, and and I had so much fun at the high school level coaching the boys and girls at the high school level that I could only imagine what it was like to pick pick my own elite team, you know, and recruit and be on the road and be paid for a job that I would practically do for free. Right. You know, I was almost doing it for free at the high school level. So then this journey begins uh, in 2014 and in the fall of 2014, 13, 13, end of 13. And I loved it. I was yeah. changing kids' lives. You know, the old saying, a coach changes more lives in one season than the average person changes in a lifetime. And right. that is so very true. Yeah. Um, I did not think at the college level that I was going to be at first very successful because you can't, they're, they're grown young men and women. They're not kids, so to speak anymore. So I didn't think that I could be that loving dad, that loving dad or, or playing that, that father-mother role like I did at the high school level. But I was wrong because they still crave that, that attention, that, that structure. They still want that structure. They're just a little bit more bold in saying no or whatever, yes. You know what I mean? They're, they're just a little bit more, they're, they're not afraid to tell you how they feel once they get a little bit older. Right. Um, I was very blessed to be be a college coach with no degree, with no really history of any coaching resume to go straight from a couple years of high school to be able to be a college college coach. Uh, one one uh, thing that the college said that when I took the job that I would have to agree to take classes while I was at Weber. I had to get my degree. Right. And that was scary for me because I wasn't a very good student when I was in high school. I couldn't imagine the next level of classes, you know, and, and how hard they were going to be. And I had been out of school for 30 years. Right. 25 to 30 years. Right. So I was a little worried in that sense. I was like, oh, yeah, this is probably not going to last too long because I'm going to flunk out. And then how is a coach going to tell his his students, his athletes, to go to class if he can't even pass classes? Right. But, you know, as we get older, we our priori priorities change. Our feelings about school change. We understand the importance of it. Uh, I ended up graduating college in five years yeah. doing a full-time job. Coaching cross country, track and field, doing game day, 
doing everything that I do at Weber and still able to take classes full time. That's insane. But how cool is that? That because I know when we were in high school, we talked about college. I know that that was something on our radar. We we wanted to go to college when we were talking about that when we were kids. And so how cool is that that you were able to still fulfill your dream? I mean, even if it was 30 years later. Right. I mean, you were still able to. Cuz I remember, if I remember correctly, NC State wanted you something crazy. I remember that when we were freshmen in high school. Right, until they figured out that I didn't have, <laughs> they didn't have the grades. Yeah, but I remember they wanted you because you were um, top two in the state of Florida at that time. Yeah, and, that, and it's so crazy how everything, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, God puts things in our lives, you know, people in our lives and places our, us places in our lives for a reason, for a purpose. Right. You know, I, I never really understood, you know, as, as talented as I was when I was a kid and I would sit and I'd pray on the edge of my bed and, you know, I wanted to go to the Olympics. I thought it was going to be 80. Obviously, it couldn't have been 88 because then I was still a junior in high school. Right. Uh, but 92 or 96, I had dreams of doing that. But yeah. I mean, he blessed me with the talent that I had, and I didn't take it seriously enough. You know, I I was, for me, on the track, I was a very arrogant kid, you know. I I knew I was talented. I knew that I had a natural God-given talent that I could just run and run for days, you know. And and I threw it away, you know. I, I, I pursued other things, and... My priorities weren't in, in in check. You know, I didn't have the the right structure in my life to become successful at that time. And I feel like this whole turn of events that have changed my life. I mean, obviously, we go through things in our life, turmoils and just trials and things that are going on. There's a purpose for all that. And, you know... We have all these forks in the road where we turn left or we turn right. And, you know, there's consequences to every turn and every decision that we made. Right. And to be able to get through those. Because, I mean, I had a good life. I had great parents. You know, my dad was great. He did the best he could raising us, trying to work full time, working 50, 60 hours a week and us going to school. And, you know, my mom, you know, was... When I was 10, my mom and my dad separated. Um, and then my dad met my stepmom. And I was a ungrateful child that thought everything revolved around me. And right. I lived most of my life from friend's house to friend's house to friend's house until I burnt that bridge. And, you know, so I had nothing. You know, I was looking for attention looking for love so to speak right. you know and i look for it in the wrong the wrong areas um but looking at where i'm at today and it's come full circle being able to change change young men and young women's lives like i wished my life could have ended up i feel was was purposeful like right. i it's 
it's so weird. And, and you know how we, t we talk about God uses the broken to his, in his ministry. You right. know what I mean? And right. it's so true because we're the ones that, if for lack of a better word, been there, done that. We've we've already yeah. done. We felt the heartache. We felt the pain, and that's our testimony. How I mean, who better to learn from that somebody's already been hurt and down and broke and picked back up and 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 keeps going. Right. So for me, I mean, it was so crazy because the kids that I would recruit, it was like I was looking in the mirror. Right. You know, I I remember one of my recruits that I had there. You know, what I asked them. Hey, you know, I'm looking at you coming to Weber, you know, and coming. And their first question out of my, their mouth would be, how much money are you going to give me? I'd be like, what? How is that the first thing? Not thank you, you know, not thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Let's talk about that later. But for that, but that was me. That was me yeah. all over. That was God putting somebody in my life to, for me to reflect and look back and say, this was you. Right. Because I remember... Austin P University out of Tennessee recruited one of my former athletes, well, not my former athletes, one of my former teammates out of Sarasota High School. And I sent the letter, a letter to the coach stating, you just gave my teammate a full ride. Where's mine? And that was my exact letter. No wonder why college coaches didn't want nothing to do with me. Plus, when they seen my GPA, they're like, we can't do anything for you anyway. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that box of rocks over there is farther than you, you know, and yeah. it's just it was so funny and so humbling for me to go out and have those people placed in my life right. in front of me to tell me no or how much money you're going to give me. It was a rude awakening. I, yeah. So it was definitely a, a, a time in my life where I was like, man, I've got to I got to change. Yeah, I've got to change, you know, so it's. It, the the first few years was very 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 exciting very scary very I mean it was a roller coaster you know but it was definitely a, a important time in my life for growth to grow and really realize who I was and kind of trying still trying at, at times to figure mm -hmm. out my purpose you know what what am I here for like right to change these kids lives and not have them make the mistakes that we made or I made right. You know, so it's been crazy, crazy, so to speak. That is, that is really great. So then now you were, you were a cross country coach, but you're doing something different now. So how are you adjusting to your career change at the university? Tell us about that. So now I am, I am currently the, uh, an assistant athletic director mm -hmm. and, uh, game day management event management. Um, I help out with FCA and, and a couple other little things on campus. So I've kind of withdrawn back from the um, cross country and track and field portion of it. Mm -hmm. Kind of resigned. Re or not even You're resigned. retired. Retired oh. more is a better better term. Um, I don't, I, I think majority of this, why, why, why I got out of it was just the chasing. I think it's a young man's game nowadays mm -hmm. to be out on the road 40, 50 hours a week recruiting uh, and then going to meets and 5 a.m. practices and, and, and all that. It's just 
I'm 51 now. My knees aren't as great as they used to be. And I still think I'm 15 at the time. My brain doesn't realize that I'm 51. Right. You know, and I like to try to go out and run with the kids. And then I get maybe three or four steps into it and realize, oh, yeah, your body says no. What are you doing? So I thought it was time for me to just take a step back um, and and give somebody else an opportunity that was given to me. Uh, so I'm now in, like I said, in the assistant athletic director role, which now I've gone from mentoring kids and changing kids' lives to trying to help young coaches out and and young men that are new to the college coaching, just to learn from my life experiences and not saying that all my stuff's right. Of course, I still grow every day, uh, in my job in my faith and everything that I do, I'm growing, Right. Um, but I've got 51 years under my belt of life, you know, of military, of destruction. I mean, everything. I I mean, I've, I've done a lot in my lifetime. I'm a a jack of all trades, but a master of none. (laughs) So it's, it's really nice to be able to sit down with 25, 30 year olds, 35 year olds and say, I get it. I've been there. I've done that, you know, so it's pretty rewarding. I'm really excited to be in this new role. Um, How long I do it, I don't know, um, because we're always searching to grow and become better. I mean, I think that's the whole thing is what we look for in life is just to get better and to better ourselves and to better the people around us. Um, which brings me to a point of a a great saying that I've always said, and I've always told my kids this and, and, and my athletes, you are who you hang out with. Right. You know, I used to use a saying when my kids was like, I'm not getting any better. Or like, why am I not getting faster? I'm like, I used, I, so I, I would try to change that a little bit. And I'd say, show me your training partner and I'll show you how good you're going to get. Right. If you're a fast runner and you run with a slow runner, you're not going to get any faster. You're going to get the slower runner faster. I mean, that's right. That's uh, so the truth. Yeah. I would use that that a lot, uh, and I think that's the same for us in life. You know, if we hang around good people, we become better people. Right. It just inspires you. You see other people that are being successful. What are what are they doing? It's just like being Christ-like. You know, being Christians. If why is she so happy all the time, or why is he so happy all the time? And you find out what it is. You want more of it. You want to be like that, you know. So right. I think that that's really important as our job, as an assistant AD or a coach or a grad assistant or whatever job you have in college athletics or even high school athletics. Somebody's always watching you, and somebody's right. looking to emulate you. Because I think about when I was back in high school, college kids were kind of professional athletes to me you know what I mean that's what we aspired to be at that time right so and that's what I've tried to tell my kids and I try to tell our young coaches somebody's always watching you these these college athletes even though you think they're they're grown young men and women they're not they're still going to emulate you so you have to watch everything that you do Mm. language the way you act the way you carry yourself you know I've always said that you know, champions are made when coach isn't looking. Right. It's the same thing for reverse. You know what I mean? You have to act the same way you act in your personal life. 
you should be acting on the field, you know, right. and vice versa. It's right. it's can't be one sided, you know. So I think it's it's just we we play a very important role in 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 today's generation. Right. I feel so many of these kids come from brokenness. Right. And they're going to be used just like I've been used and so many of our coaches have been used in their lives, you know, and if we can, you know, it's always said that if you, you touch one person or change one person's life, you did your job. Right. You can't save them all, but boy, think about what it's like if you don't try. Right. To save them all. I try all the time, and that's sometimes my problem. But right, right. I'm not going to let one slip through the cracks because I'm being lazy or something like that. I'm going to try to save as many as I can because that's our job. That's our job. That's This is the next generation that's going to be running our country. Right. And, and making our grandkids and their grandkids and their lives different, you know, so... I just think we, we play a very important role in what we do, and I'm very excited and very blessed to continue to do that as long as I'm permitted to do that. Right. One of the things you said earlier was um, you dreamed of going to the Olympics. So our topic is about following your dreams. Tell me how that thought of going to the Olympics helped you to where you are, to what you were able to do uh, later on in your life? Well, that that dream, of course, kind of fell by the wayside a little bit because I, obviously I became a little older, a little wiser, and realized, well, I'm past the prime age of running. Right. Um, if you could only feel my knees now when you go out and run, I know that that's not a realistic thing that's going to happen. Right. But as far as setting goals in your life, I think it's very important to to not let anybody tell you that you can't accomplish those. Right. Yes, I did not accomplish those, but maybe that's not that wasn't my purpose at that time. God didn't have my life laid out for me to to go that route because I was so arrogant and the my character or whatever I was at that time. I can only imagine if I would have became a successful collegiate athlete, how I would have been in the pros now, you know, in the Olympics, you know, uh, since I, you know, God steered me in the direction as a coach, I think I realized that, Oh, maybe there's another possibility. Maybe I could coach in the Olympics. Right. You know, and then my 2014, you know, 15, 16, my first few years at the collegiate level, I've had some success. Uh, I, had to kind of change over to um, coaching sprinters, right? Which I absolutely not the right word to use, but hated in high school <laughs> yeah. because I didn't feel like they did enough. Right. You know what I mean? They used to come over and try to drink out of our water cooler. I'm like, "What did you run? A hundred meters? Go over there and drink your own water. This is our water. We run six miles a day." Right. You know, so yep, I but I get that. but I get to college level and now I have to coach those people. God says, you know what, your university doesn't have enough money. You're going to coach, you're going to coach sprinters. So everything has come 
back in back, your face. Back <laughs> into my face again. I'm being thrown like, okay, now you're going to coach the people that you absolutely despised right. during your high school coaching career, which I gave you that high school coaching career, and you're telling me that you're not going to coach any of these kids. So I've, I, I dabbled with that a little bit, um, and I've had some success, you know, which was kind of crazy to me. I mean, I was coaching a, an event that I thought was lazy. I thought these people had no work ethic. These, you know, it, it wasn't distance running. It wasn't what I loved. Right. But that was my, my, my niche at that time. So I started becoming really good at that. I ended up coaching 400 to the marathon was my extent of my capacity of what I had to coach, which was, is absolutely crazy. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Because everybody is a different workout. And that's a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of X and O's go, go into that to, to help each athlete because everybody's different. Right. What works for one doesn't work for another. So every, everything's got to be tailored to strength and weaknesses of each athlete. Right. So it was new to me. It wasn't, hey, just go out and run six miles. Tomorrow we're going to do speed work. And it's there's so much science behind it. And I never understood that science because I didn't apply myself to education. I, I didn't think that it was important at that time. I thought my running career was going to make me all my money. Right. But when I got it at Weber and I started getting some success, uh, you know, obviously just a little background story of, when I was growing up in, in the eight, mid-80s, 85, 86, that 88, uh, Carl Lewis, which I don't know if a lot of people know who he is today, but he was a big-time Olympic gold medalist in the 100 meters, 200 meters, long jump, triple jump. Right. Was was kind of an idol. I remember when I was running in Junior Olympics, he sang the national anthem, uh, which was pretty funny because he... Th- he thought he was a singer, but everybody else <laughs> kind of made fun of him at the time because he wasn't apparently very good. I don't recall. I just was in awe, <laughs> awestruck, you know, starstruck whenever he was there, you know. And so he was a uh, uh, somebody that I looked up to that you know that was very successful, right? Um, and wouldn't you know when I got into college and I started going to coaching conventions, who walks by me, you know? The same guy that when I was a 14, 15-year-old kid was looking up to and he was singing national anthems at Junior Olympics that I was attending was at the same coaching convention and he was now a peer. He was no longer a a person that, a, that you know, was a coach and I was a student. He was now, I was on the same level he was. So I, I remember my first coaching convention running around trying to chase him through the convention and get him to give me his autograph and yeah. like still starstruck. And I'm, this is 25, 30 years later. Right. Uh, and that's just kind of a, even a little bit of the story. Um, but a couple years later, 2017, I'm sitting at my desk and coach Andrews, which who was the head track coach at the time was sitting across from me. Uh, Answered the phone because I didn't really answer the phone a lot. I was I just still wasn't used to you know hey Weber and Ash University this is Coach Simpson, you know right may I help you or whatever. So he he would usually answer the phone and he he looks over at me like his jaws like 
almost on the floor. And he's like, hey, it's for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, who is it? He's like, it's Carl Lewis. I'm like, like, if you could only see my face right now, I'm like, what? Carl Lewis? He's like, yeah, Carl Lewis. I'm like, the Carl Lewis? He's like, yes, the Carl Lewis. And I'm like, hello? And he's like, hey, this is Carl Lewis from the University of Houston. We were wondering if you would, me and uh, Coach Leroy Burrell, were wondering if you would like to be the team distance coach for Team USA in the uh, 2017 World University Games in Taipei. And I was like, what? <laughs> Me? Little Jimmy Simpson? I was like, uh, yes, sir. I will be on the plane as soon as you tell me the date. I said, right. I will be at the business office tomorrow, and I will be trying to get permission to allow me to come and and, yeah. and be a part of it. And How cool is that? That's the crazy thing. And and I feel like at this time, that's that's my dream. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's my open door that he's presented. Yeah. Your dream's unfolding. It, it's unfolding, you know. So now I get to be a part of a world university game. This is my Olympics, you yeah. know, so to speak, you know, to go out there and be with the guy that I looked up to. Right. And be their roommates for a week in Taipei, you know, right. is and to be coaching and standing on the side of a track in another country, shoulder to shoulder, with these two phenomenal people that were world renowned was right. just absolutely mind blowing. Right. To be standing next to them and to be accepted for one. Right. You know. And not looked as, oh, you're an NAIA coach or you're, you know what I mean? I'm D1, you're NAIA. Because, I mean, looking at, at our sports, if you don't know, you know, you got D1, you got D2, you got D3, which is all academic schools, and then you got NAIA. So, like, we're like the bottom, then you got JUCO. So, we're like at the bottom level of the college, you know, bracket, so to speak. So, it's... I don't know, there, but it's just as good as athletes in the NAI level as there are the D1, D2s. It's just where that student athlete fits you right. know, to find the best fit. You know, right. sometimes D1 just isn't cut out because it's so big. You want a small school, and that's usually the NAI area is a small school where you're getting more personal attention and stuff like that. Right. So, but it was very, very cool to be a part of that. Um, and be over in Taipei and be able to coach D1 athletes. Not that they're any different from my athletes. It's just a different culture. It's it's just a little a little harder, a little a little more talented kids that aren't af afraid to work that are really confident. Kind of like I was in high school. I mean, right. it's a D1 kid that right. he wants to work, you know, and and they are arrogant some of them, you know, but there are some that are very very humble and very respectful and it's just everybody's different it just depends on how they were brought up right then um the other thing that i wanted to so you went you went 2017 and then you went again in 2019 i had the opportunity to to coach with uh liberty university which is a christian university out of virginia right uh they called me because i was the previous 
Team USA distance coach, they reached out. They I guess they must have reached out to Houston and asked them how was Coach Simpson or whatever. Right. They reached out to me and gave me an opportunity to be the distance coach at that time uh, in Naples, Italy. Wow. Um, and, you know, also going back, because I don't want to leave him out, Jordan Clark, which was my 400 kid where I hated to coach sprinters, right? Um, was my athlete that did it help get me there you know he was the one that was asked to be on the four by four they were missing a four by four leg i said i got a young man for you that's it's great his dream is to go to the olympics as well this would be a great stepping stone you know and he was brought onto that team as well and then he ended up he ended up after he graduated with me at weber ended up going to liberty to get his master's so he was a part of that process too right um, he unfortunately wasn't able to go to Italy at the time, but he wanted to be on the, the team again so that we could kind of experience the same thing again because he was a lot of my success at Weber. He was an All-American two, two out of the three years that I coached him. He finished wow. second or third in the country in the 400, um, was an All-American in the 600, which I persuaded him to go past that 400 meter mark and run a little bit farther right you know he ended up running cross country for me too as well so he definitely helped me prove the fact that sprinters weren't lazy that there are some out there that, <laughs> yeah. that, aren't, that aren't afraid to run past the water cooler and go a little bit farther so he proved it to you <laughs> yes he proved it to me so um but it, it's been it, it's been an amazing journey you know and when i signed that contract at weber did I ever think that my dreams would be filled there? No, not at yeah. all, you know? Yeah. And for those people out there that that think that you can't go to an NAI school and accomplish your dreams and be successful, I want to tell you right now that you're absolutely wrong. Right. You can you can you can accomplish those dreams anywhere you want. Right. But you got to have the work that it's going to take commitment it's going to take you know you have to want it you know and you can't let anybody get in your way right you know and that's that that's the same for us in life there's so many distractions out there and there's so many things that you know that that are going to pull you away from your dreams because people don't want you to you know to be successful for the most part especially the devil you know what I mean? Right. He's going to throw those obstacles at you because he doesn't want you to be successful. Right. Um, you have to to want it and you have to to commit to it. And, right. you know, peer pressure and friends and, you know, th those are when you're true friends and, and everybody comes out. People that have your back, people that, that want you to be successful. Right. You know, most most people want, it's all about me. It's all about me. And if you're better than me, well, I'm going to do whatever I can or say whatever I can. So it becomes about me. You know right. what I mean? I I don't want to be in your shadow, you know. And so it's it's very important to to get your priorities in order, you know, and make sure you're, you, you've got goals. You've got short-term goals, too. You can't just have long-term goals like that dream of me making the Olympics. I should have had short-term goals. Right. To lead up to that long-term goal. To help get I, you there. Right. I had that long-term goal. 
And when you don't ever hit that long-term goal, you don't feel accomplished. You don't feel successful because if you don't hit it, then all you do is sit around and be like, oh, I didn't accomplish my goal. Right. But shortening goals to get to stepping stones to get to that big one, once you accomplish one, then you set another one. You right. accomplish one, you set another one. It just keeps They're going. They're like small little dreams. Small, and then, small little yeah. dreams until you get to the big dream. Big one. Yeah. You know, you can't have your... You know, you can't have it all at once. Right. You know, so it, it's going to take a lot of work. If you could leave, if you could say one thing to our listeners and you could impart wisdom, what would it be? Don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Don't take no for an answer. And and you know what? Surround yourself with like-minded people. Because... That's what's going to get you there. You got to have like an accountability partner. Right. And that's a lot of what teammates are. Teammates are accountability partners. Uh, but you you have to be committed. You got to have some work ethic because nothing's going to be handed to you in this world. Right. You have to earn everything. Stop holding your hand out and get to work right. because ultimately you are the one that's going to make yourself successful. Nobody else can do that for you. Right. You have to put in the work. So keep working. Get up. Don't be lazy. And you'll be successful. Man, that was that's really good. That's great wisdom. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to just be able to talk and, and let people hear my story and like like we said if it changes one person's life or right. they go in a different direction a positive direction because of this then we did our job right so thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak you are so welcome i absolutely love you and i am so excited that i get to do this with you and i think you'll be interviewing me next week or in the few coming weeks So thank you for um, joining us uh, on this week's episode of Let's Talk About Faith, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you so much. I love you too.